Hey, it's great that you could be with us. The Bible reading for this message is taken from Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. It'd be great if you could hit pause, give that a read, and we'll see you back here in just a second. That's Romans 5, 1 to 5. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've got some, maybe you're thinking about some for the new year. I've actually got some friends who are quite cynical about New Year's resolutions. Uh, after all, it's just another day. It's just another week. Why wait for a whole new year to, to try out that new habit or implement that new routine or kick that habit that's been bothering you for a while? Uh, in, any, in any case, who actually even sticks to New Year's resolutions? It's a well-known fact that in January, the gyms are packed, while in February, they've actually emptied out quite a bit. And at one level, yeah, sure, it's just another day, it's just another week, why wait? Uh, but there does seem to be something fresh about a new year. It does feel like a new start, a chance to, to start afresh, to tell a better story than the year before. In a word, a new year actually offers hope. And hope, it turns out, is something that's pretty important for us as humans. Uh, Johan Hari, in his book, Lost Connections, uh, explores in one chapter the, the link between hope and depression and anxiety, or rather a lack of hope and depression and anxiety. So he writes, I'd noticed something else about my depression and anxiety over the years. It made me feel, in some peculiar way, radically short-sighted. When it came, I would only be able to think about the next few hours, how long they would seem, and how painful they would be. It was as if the future had vanished. And then he goes on to uh, tell us about a friend of his who had a similar sort of experience. She always knew her depression was lifting when she felt her sense of time expanding again. She would be able to think about where she would be a month from then or a year from then. It was actually a study done where they took two groups of people, uh, a group struggling with anorexia and a group with severe depression, both to the point of being institutionalized. And uh, both groups were given comics of A Christmas Carol by uh, um, Charles Dickens and Les Miserables to read. And then they were asked a few questions. Uh, will Scrooge from A Christmas Carol be the same person in the future after he meets the ghosts and has a change of heart? If he is, why? Will Jean Valjean from Les Miserables be the same person after he runs away and changes his name? Tell me how. And what they found was quite interesting. Those struggling with anorexia had no problem answering the questions at all. But those struggling with depression couldn't. Both groups were equally sick. Both groups were dealing with similar levels of distress. Both groups were at the point of being institutionalized. But those, while those struggling with depression were completely fine answering a host of other questions, when it came to questions about the future, they didn't have anything to say. And it wasn't just Jean Valjean's future or Scrooge's future that they were uncertain about. It was uh, that they couldn't see who they as individuals would be in the future either. As it turns out, there's often a close link between depression and anxiety and one's ability to think about what might be in the future. Or, put differently, there's a close link between the absence of hope and the presence of anxiety and depression. Now, don't mishear me, depression and anxiety are complicated. I'm no medical professional, and in any case, what I've just summarized is just a small part of the story, a story that actually looks very different for different people who are struggling with 
depression and anxiety. The point is simply this, that hope is an important part of human life. Proverbs 13 verse 12 actually speaks to that, uh, that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. After what feels like the longest year in history, I'm sure a lot of us aren't feeling especially hopeful. Uh, Maybe we're running on fumes and we don't have much left. What I'm hoping that you'll see this morning, though, is that hope, real hope, can be found and can be found in Jesus. And that's essentially what Christmas is all about, at least in part. Christmas is about hope and the hope that we found in our Savior. So we first want to think, before we think about where hope is, we want to think about what hope is. So let's start there. I can't imagine hope is a brand new word to anybody listening. Uh, something that we've said already is that hope is inherently future-oriented. Uh, it's not uh, It's uh, not being able to imagine what the future is going to be like and not having hope actually in many ways go hand in hand. Uh, hope then is uh, when we're waiting for something to come, uh, something good, something good that's on the horizon. It's waiting for something that we want to happen to actually happen. It's a combination between expectation and desire. Hope is a combination of expectation and desire. Now, maybe you haven't stopped to put it into words, but I can't imagine that anything I've said so far is actually new to anybody here. But uh, there is a difference between the way that we typically use the word hope and the way that the biblical authors tend to speak about hope. If hope is this combination between expectation and desire, we tend to lean more towards desire. So I hope that it won't rain tomorrow. I hope I don't get cold for Christmas again. I hope 2021 is a better year. On the other hand, when the biblical authors talk about hope, they lean more towards expectation. There are two Hebrew words that uh, uh, that we use for hope in the Old Testament. Uh, two, two main ones anyway. Uh, and both of them actually also come with connotations of waiting or expectation. Psalm 130 is a good good example of that. I wait for the Lord. Uh, My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. I hope 2021 is going to be a better year, but actually I don't know that it's going to be. Uh, But the watchmen on duty in Psalm 130 They know that the morning is coming and with morning will come the security that daylight brings. I mean, just think about what it must have been like being on guard duty when uh, it's kind of pitch darkness and they don't have floodlights to to see what's in front of them or threats the darkness might be hiding. So, uh, so it is with God. I hope in the Lord. I wait for the Lord. In many ways, these are uh, the same sort of thing. It's the same sentiment, hoping and waiting. The way the Bible talks about hope then isn't just a a form of optimism. Uh, It's as one scholar puts it, Christian hope includes trust in God, patient waiting and confidence in God's future. And that's what Christmas is about. Which brings us to the second thing that uh, we have to think about this morning, which is where hope is found. Paul writes in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So for the rest of the time, we want to just take a walk through those first five verses of Romans 5 uh, and think about three things that Paul wants us to know about hope. The first is that we have access to God's grace through Jesus. Paul puts that front and center. This is the big thing that he wants us to see, that through Jesus, we have gained access to the grace of God in which we stand. And it's uh, that we're justified by God's grace. Paul says so in uh, verse 1, but more than that, that we're in the realm of grace. What that means is that if you're hearing these words as a Christian today, you have already been justified. uh, And having been justified, you have access and stand in God's grace now. That means that the benefits of grace are available to you now. It means that as as hard as this year has been, however hopeless you might be feeling, that you can cast your anxieties onto God and that you can hear the words that he spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 when he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is something that we thought about earlier in the year. So I'll leave a link in the description below if you want to go check out those sermons again. Now, in all fairness, this doesn't seem to have much to do with Hope. After all, we said that hope is inherently future-oriented, and actually everything we've spoken about so far is about now. Uh, so what's going on here? Well, I think two things. The first is that this is what, st- this is what sets the stage for what Paul is going to say about hope in uh, the rest of the chapter. The hope that we have for the future depends on the grace that we have access to now. And we know that because what he's going to go on to say at the end of chapter 5 is that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life, which is a future reality uh, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The second is that while we still have to spell out some of the details, uh, at this point, Paul tells us where to look for hope. Uh, Hope is found in Jesus Because it's in him that we're justified. And having been justified, it's in him that we have access to the grace of God that's going to carry us through to the end. It's through him that we have access to God's grace. And that is what hope stands on. So the second thing that Paul wants us to see about hope in Romans 5 is that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, boasting seems like a a bit of a strange thing to say. I mean, why would we boast in the hope of the glory of God? The ESV actually has that we uh, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, The idea is a sort of joyful confidence. I mean, that's that's essentially what boasting amounts to. Uh, When we boast, we're typically letting people know uh, how confident we are in something. which is usually what's so annoying about boasting about ourselves. People don't like it when we are super confident in ourselves and want everybody else to know how, how great we are. But as one writer explains, the, the one who boasts in God looks away from himself so that his boasting is a confession of God. The one who boasts in God looks away from himself so that his boasting is a confession of God. 
So we have joyful confidence in the hope of the glory of God. So the next thing that we want to think about then is what do we mean by the glory of God? We usually think about God's glory as one of his attributes. We'd say he's glorious, that he's radiant, beautiful, worthy of our worship. And and all of that is true. But it isn't just that. When Paul writes these words, he probably has another part of the Bible ringing in his ears. And that would be the Exodus. In Exodus, God shows his power and his glory in bringing his people out of Egypt, uh, delivering them from the slavery that that they were in there. Um, and uh, then he gives them the blueprints for the tabernacle, the place where he is going to live among his people. And once they finish building it, we read in Exodus 40, then the cloud, which is how God manifested his presence when he was leading his people through the wilderness. Uh, the, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's glory then isn't just one of his attributes, though it's not less than that. It's also bound up with his presence. It's the idea that God is present with his people. So come back to Romans 5. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God and that we are in the realm of grace. And we have a joyful confidence in the prospect of him living with his people once more. That's actually what John sees in uh, the last two chapters of Revelation. That's what we have to look forward to. Just uh, listen to this description of what what there is to come. Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look. The dwelling of God, the dwelling place of God is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is what we're waiting for. We have a joyful confidence that that is what is on the horizon for us. The third thing that I think Paul wants us to see about hope from Romans 5 is that we boast even in our suffering. We have a joyful confidence that God will live among his people once more. And verse 3, not only that, we also boast in our sufferings. Now, boasting seemed like a strange enough word to use. And now we're boasting in our suffering, which also seems like a very strange thing to say. Why would we boast in suffering? Who does that? Well, maybe somebody who's just been through a really tough workout, they come into the room telling you how they're aching and uh, how maybe they're feeling quite stiff uh, from how hard they've been pushing themselves, uh, maybe wanting to impress you with, with uh, how solid their workout was. But even then, it actually isn't the suffering itself. It isn't the pain itself that they're boasting in. It's what the pain points to. It's not that they're sore because of their workout. It's that they're sore because of their workout. It's what the suffering is pointing to. And it's the same point that Paul is making here in Romans 5. That uh, we we also boast in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
It isn't about the suffering itself. It's about what suffering produces in us. We boast in our suffering because through our suffering, God is making us into the kind of people that he wants us to be. A people characterized by hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, remember what we said earlier, that hope is a combination of of expectation and desire. And that while uh, for the biblical authors, it, it does mean desire, it leans more towards expectation. Christian hope includes trust in God, patient waiting and confidence in God's future. But how can we have such confidence? Because of the love of God. That's what Paul wants to say, that we can have such confidence in this hope because of the love of God. One writer explains it this way, the confidence we have for the day of judgment is not based only on our intellectual recognition of the facts of God's love, or even only on the demonstration of God's love on the cross, although that is important, but also on the inner subject of certainty that God does love us. So Paul's going to go on to say in uh, Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor uh, present, nor future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, not COVID-19, not the rubbish year that any of us have had, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, and all this is set in the context of God working uh, through his spirit to make us into the sorts of people that he wants us to be. So in Romans 8, 9 to 11, we read, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, uh, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And back in Romans 5, we learn that uh, the love we have has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The spirit of uh, the spirit of God then is at work in us to confirm the hope that we have uh, for the future, uh, to make it a reality and to mold us and shape us into the sorts of people who are driven by and characterized by that hope. So we boast in our suffering because through it, the spirit of God is working to make us into the sorts of people that God wants us to be a people characterized by hope. Let's pull some strands together. Uh, We've said that hope is future oriented. We've said that it's a combination of expectation and desire that while 
the way that we typically use the word leans more towards desire. I hope that 2021 is going to be a better year, but I don't know that. Uh, for the biblical authors, it leaned more towards expectation because for them, the future that God is going to act to deliver his people was certain. It's something that we can have confidence in. Christian hope includes trust in God, patient waiting, and confidence in God's future. From Romans 5, we saw that we have access to the grace of God, and we have access now and can enjoy the benefits of it. We have access through Jesus, uh, and uh, we can have a joyful confidence that one day, because of Jesus, we will get to dwell with God in our presence once more. And we boast even in our suffering, because you know that by our uh, that through suffering, God, by his spirit, is making us into the sort of people that he wants us to be. A people that are characterized and driven by the hope of that glorious future where he will live with us once more. 2020 has been a hard year. And I really do hope that 2021 is a, is a better year. But if there's one thing that I want you to hear, it's to urge you to cling to hope. Not the sort of hope that says that 2021 might be a better year, but the hope that we have in Jesus. The hope that we have of a glorious future where we will get to live with God once more, that no matter how 2021 pans out, we can look forward to that with confidence, with joy, with certainty. And that, at least in part, is what Christmas is all about. In Jesus, we have the best reason in the world to hold on to hope.